The preceding message is brought to you by Kingsword Everywhere Nigeria. Stay tuned after this message for more information about Kingsword Everywhere Nigeria. Father, we ask that you send your word again to us tonight, one and all. Thank you because even when other men do not know what it is we are going through, even when they can't comprehend how difficult it is, you are there. And you can see, you can feel like us. We are easily touched with the feelings of our infirmities. You, you have the solution. You know the solution. And it's your will for us to prosper. So we ask tonight that as your word comes, you will help every individual to hear that very thing that they need, to understand the very truth they need, and to apply what is being taught into their very situations so that we can experience and enjoy the things that you have freely made available for us. Again, we give you the praise for what you have done for us, for who you are to us, and for what you are set to do in our midst and in our lives, even in this place tonight and in this very season. We commit the remaining parts of this year, this final four months, again into your hands. Thank you for new dawn experiences and manifestations. Thank you because new things, better, good, new things manifest in our lives from God, taking away the old. We give you the praise, Father, in Jesus' mighty name. And the people of God shouted a louder, Amen. Hallelujah. Help me appreciate your neighbor before you take your seat. Tell them I see you prospering like you have never prospered before. In Jesus' name. Please be seated. Glory, glory be to God. Um, I want us again, I said this on Sunday, it's still very strong in my heart. I want to encourage you to pay attention. Um, not even just for this series of teachings we are doing. But generally speaking, when we teach things in church, I believe when God sends his word, the answers and the solutions and the healing, the provision, the miracles that we desire, um, it's inside what God is telling us, what God is teaching us. And we, we owe it to ourselves to hear, he that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit of God is saying. And then to, by the grace of God and the help of the Holy Spirit, um, begin to apply these things into our day-to-day -day lives. Glory be to God. And, and that is how we can enjoy and manifest what God has given us. Praise the Lord. You know, talking about power, it's very possible for power to be available and yet, think about electricity for a minute. You don't even have to be an electrician to understand this. It's very possible for power to be available, but the power is being short-circuited. It's not getting into the device as it ought, thereby not enabling the device to work. So if, if you have the generator, the generator is fine. You have the air conditioner, the air conditioner is fine, but there's something wrong between the cable that links them. Something is short-circuiting that power. Um, you can turn on the generator and the generator will be, will be working. Praise the Lord. And you turn on the air conditioner, but it won't come on because something is it's short-circuiting the power. And I think that's what happens when Christians are ignorant about the principles of God, the way of God, the keys of the kingdom of heaven, how heaven operates. And even though they are praying for power, you see, someone can be praying and believing God for release of power, but because of certain principles that are not in place, short-circuiting the power, we are not seeing the results. And really, that, that's where teachings like this and what we are looking at in church, that's what it's aimed at. It's about seeing the results. If you are born again, you're already prosperous. Can I hear a loud Amen. I mean, that, that truth alone is, is all-powerful. It's enough to change anybody's life. 
If you are born again, you, are, you, and you don't just have ordinary prosperity. You have the riches of God in glory. You are loaded. Hallelujah. You are as rich as God is. Glory be to God. Ah, that you hallelujah is sounding as if you don't understand what I'm saying. You see, the, and, and this is a major, major problem. Major, major problem. The, the, the first thing is, like we said earlier when we said this series, you have to believe these things. You see, if you are not careful, and again, as I'm saying these things, please just um, examine yourself, whether you are still in the faith. So in the faith, it's not just limited to I'm born again, I'm a Christian. That's a big part of it. But it also means you are exercising faith in what God has said. If you are not careful, you will just slip into this place where, well, I can't be saying I'm as rich as God. I'm struggling to pay my rent. That you are struggling to pay your rent has nothing to do or doesn't take away from the fact that you are already an heir of God. I mean, it's, it's, it, there are two different things. Praise the Lord. And the most dangerous thing that struggling to pay your rent oh, can, can be anything else, school fees, a particular bill, or anything. The most dangerous thing that thing can do in your life, that situation or circumstance, it's not just that it has brought you into a situation where you are financially challenged. The most dangerous impact, negative impact can have in your life is to pull you into a place of unbelief. That's the, look, when we have challenges in our health, or finances, or family. The ultimate attack of Satan is not just he doesn't want money in your bank account, of course. I mean, but the worst thing he can do for you is to cripple your faith. Simon, Simon. Satan has asked for you and desired to sift you as with. But I've prayed for you that your faith fails not. When Satan challenges us financially in our health, his ultimate goal is to get that, not just that the guy should not pay his rent, to get the guy to get to a point where, ah, I'm this Bible thing, I'm not sure I really believe it. And those of us that are born again, word people, you see, you, and you, 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 gotta, you have to make sure that your faith is alive in your heart, not just in your head. If faith is in the head, it is not faith. Faith is of the heart. Some people's faith is, is only in the head now, so they will nod their head, we call it mental ascent, because they've been in church for so long so, and they know these things. There's nothing the pastor is saying that is new per se. They know these things. So sometimes the best place to check for faith, in fact, you don't even look at your head to check for faith. Watch your heart. Watch your attitude. Watch your confession. What's coming out of your mouth? Watch whether you are still rejoicing. You are still grateful to God. Yes, you are going through that challenge, but are you grateful? Are you thankful? Are you rejoicing? Watch your prayer life. I mean, I shared that heavily with us during the vigil when Jesus wanted to teach them faith in Mark chapter 11. First thing he did was to go to the temple and he drove out all the people that were trading. And he could have said a thousand and one things, but I told them that you have, my house is supposed to be a house of prayer. They had slipped in faith and faith as in trusting God to meet their economic needs. It had gotten so bad that prayer had dropped in the church and um, trade and marketing was what was running in the church. It was an expression of lack of faith. Of course, they won't say they are not in faith. They were coming to church. But God can, that can discern the intents and the hearts of men. He told them what their problem was. People are no longer in faith. It's not that God has a problem with you doing trade or marketing. No. But God has a problem when you're not praying anymore. And this, these are the things that challenges can do to us. Are you with me this evening? These are the things. And particularly if it has been prolonged, they can get you to a place where you're only using faith in the head, not in the heart. And what that will eventually lead to is the, the principles that make what God has given you work, the keys of the kingdom. You are now not living a life aligned to the keys of the kingdom. So even if power is released, or even if you pray in the spirit and you activate power, the, the, the power that is activated is being short-circuited. Look at what we are talking about now. I got 
as David led us to focus on the area of stewardship and how it impacts on prosperity. Do you know someone can go through a lot of difficulty and get to the point where they actually resigned where serving God is concerned? They, they, they have resigned. They are not serving, or even if they are serving, they are not doing it wholeheartedly. That's even a challenge all of us have to deal with every time. You need to make sure you are still growing in your stewardship. And look, this thing, in my experience, what I've realized is it can be on either side of the spectrum you are in. So you can be in a kind of environment where we live in in Nigeria, where there are a lot of economic challenges here and there, that if you are not careful, it can draw your heart away from the prosperity that God has given you. It can also happen on the other side, where you are in a developed country. I, I see this when, when I travel abroad, where everything is working. There's employment to business, there's money, there's infrastructure, and things are going so good, you've forgotten God as well. So sometimes I even wonder who is in a better position. Is it people that have things going good or people that have things going bad? Because you, you can fall into the ditch on the other side of the road. Can I hear a loud amen? That's a serious thing. Um, I think it was Robert Slay, I don't that mentioned this to me. He said the challenge with developed countries now is um, there is really no model. The body of Christ has never, ever, ever really designed a model to preach the gospel to people that are wealthy. Right from Bible days, the primary people, the gospel was being preached to successfully are poor people. And that's the problem they're having in developed countries now. Now we don't have to do night vigil to get a job. <clears throat> we can elect a president that in 20 months he can drive down the unemployment rates. <laughs> yeah, if you wait for one president to come and do unemployment for you, you wait long. America, I mean, Donald Trump has not even done two years. So it's not by, I, I don't even need to pray to get husband. They are now dating websites that I can be sampling here and there. It may not work. Oh, what? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it was another, it, 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 so it can be, look, it can be a challenge on either side. Some people, we are going to study this text, but look at what David said here, Psalm 30 verse 6. Psalm 30 verse 6 said, now in my prosperity I said, David speaking, I shall never be moved. We're going to talk about that. Some people, they have now prospered. The healing has come. The husband has come. The children has come. The, the, the breakthrough career-wise has come. And they have moved from God. It's not now God anymore that they are trusting for their prosperity. It can, it can be on either side of the road. So David vowed. You see, if, you read, if you study Psalm 30, when he started praying, he was in hell and high water. Then God stepped in and turn things around for him. David now saying, now that I'm prosperous, I will not be moved. My eyes will still be on God. Praise the Lord. So please pay attention to these truths we are teaching. And apply them to your life. Glory be to God. Serving God is vital. It's connected to our prosperity. And that's why we are looking at this. We, we've established a number of important things. Again, let me just quickly mention them to get into where we are going. God's will for, is for us to prosper. Hallelujah. In Christ, we are already prosperous. This is not to tell you that it's when you start serving that God will prosper you. That may have been the case under the Old Testament. But thank God, under the New Testament, we have a better covenant based on better promises. In our own covenant, God didn't say, if you do this, do this, do this, I will bless you. No. In our own covenant, Jesus has done everything that we need to do to be in favor with God for us on our behalf. So we start blessed. Hallelujah. We start the journey prosperous. Our own covenant has something called favor on it. That wasn't in the old covenant. All they had in the old covenant was reward. We have favor plus reward. So our own journey, particularly when we are talking about stewardship prosperity, is not that we are serving God so that God can bless us. No, we are already blessed. Hallelujah. But we still apply principles of stewardship so that, this is how Ephesians chapter 2 verse, um, Philippians chapter 2 puts it, we work out our salvation. 
we walk out our salvation. I think that's where we stopped last Wednesday. So Philippians 2.9, let me just pick it up from there. Last Wednesday, we, we looked at the mentality or the mindset of a steward. The Bible told us in verse 5, let this mind be in you that was in Christ. There was a kind of mind that Jesus operated with while he was here on the earth. And the way it ended for Jesus was promotion, elevation, prosperity. Verse 9, therefore God has highly exalted him and given him a name that is above every name. Because he was a born servant and he had a kind of mentality. And we picked out seven things that we talked about last week that, look, you and I should develop or, using the language of Romans chapter 12, verses 1 to 3, renew our minds with those attitudes. It really renewed the soul. Because it's not just your thinking that needs to be renewed, your emotions need to be renewed. You've got to be that person that serves God with joy. There will be more than enough reasons to discourage you. But you've got to learn to do it with joy. So it's not just how I think, how I feel. Then my attitude as well. You've got to be a grateful person, not a grumbling person. And you know where we are. There are reasons to grumble and complain. Hallelujah. So, verse 9, we saw what Jesus got. Verse 12, now said, Therefore, my beloved, walk out your own salvation. And he's referencing what Jesus did. As it were, Jesus walked out his own salvation. He already came as the Son of God. The Bible told us that he was the Son in heaven. He took off his glory. Then he humbled himself. And he became a servant of humanity. And he had certain mindsets, which is what is now being taught to the new creation. Because just like Jesus was a son, you also are a son and a daughter. But just like, and the, the example here is, just like Jesus was a son that served, you also should be a son that served. Having the right mindset. And just like Jesus walked out his own promotion as it were, the name that is above all names, you too can experience promotion. Not just when you get to heaven. Oh, hallelujah. There is a provision for God's will being done on earth as it is in heaven. Matthew 16 again. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you lose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So while I'm on the earth, glory be to God. I can apply the principles that work in heaven and get certain results here on earth. That's why these kind of things are written for even New Testament saints that are already blessed. Hallelujah. It's called working out what God has worked inside of you. So therefore, my brethren, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God that works in you both to will. And to do of his good pleasure. And this is the beautiful part. It is, okay, I, I don't know what to do. God will help you. Hallelujah. I don't have the strength. God will give you the strength. You pray for the power to get wealth. I don't have the wisdom. God will give you his wisdom. Praise God. So we, we, are, we are looking at these things. And we've come to a place now where we realize that we are supposed to be servants of God as well in the New Testament. That is not our primary or essential um, qualification or description of our relationship with God, but it's a part of it. I use the analogy of Sunday of spiritual and body. Essentially, you're a spirit, but you can't live as a spirit without factoring in your body. You won't make it on this side of eternity. You won't. The same way you can't live as a son without stewardship. So again, we are working in church. Our goal is to get everybody, particularly that has been in church for a reasonable period of time and does not have any genuine reason to be on the bench. You know, in sports, sometimes an athlete gets injured, they will stay on the bench for one, two, three weeks. So some people need to sit back and gather themselves together. But that can't be forever. If you are permanently on the bench, particularly if you are playing for a top club like Arsenal, after the end of the season, they will trade you off. So we can't be paying you money. 
and you are not giving us fruit. This is how Jesus used it in the, the, the analogy Jesus used in the Bible. He said um, there was a master that he planted a tree in his garden. And he came first season, second season, third season. He said, hey, if this thing doesn't give me fruit, please cut it off. Why is it cumbering the ground? Hallelujah. So we, are, we are still talking about how, how, Bible, how God thinks about stewardship. Praise God. And that's what I want us to look into tonight. For that, how Jesus thinks or how God thinks about stewardship. How the kingdom of heaven, because I think this is a big problem. We need to redefine stewardship in our minds. We need to renew our thinking to being a steward, to being a servant. So let's look at Matthew 10 again. This is where we left off on Sunday. Let, let's go on from there. Jesus called them to himself from verse 42, talking about his servants, his disciples. You know that those who are considered rulers over the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you. Verse 43 of Matthew, Mark, Mark, sorry, Mark chapter 10. It shall not be so among you. Say with me, it's not so concerning me. Whoever desires to be great, to be successful, to excel in life, to make progress. You can use any synonym for the word great. Let him be your servant. Hallelujah. Among us. And this is talking about in the kingdom of heaven. Let him be your servant. Whoever, verse 44, whoever of you desires to be first, he shall be a slave of all. In other words, the greater or the more effective you are in your stewardship, the higher you will rise, the more you will excel, the more you will succeed. Stewardship or being a servant or being a slave is how we excel in this our covenant, in our, in our kingdom. For even the Son of Man, verse 45, did not come to be served. In other words, I'm your example. I'm your example. This is what we talked about last week. But to serve and to give himself a ransom for money. Matthew 23. Look at the way Matthew put it here. Another thing Jesus said along these lines. Matthew 23, verse 11. He who is greatest among you shall be your servant. Hallelujah. It is... Um, the opposite of how things operate in this world system. He who is great among you should be your servant. And whoever exalts himself will be humbled. Matthew 23, 11 and 12. And he that humbles himself will be exalted. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. So we can see clearly from that the way heaven operates is you humble yourself to go up. How many people are invited, interested in divine elevation? Talk to me. You, you serve to go up. Now, again, this is one of the principles. It's not the only principles. We can teach on confession. We can teach on faith. We can teach on many things that bring about prosperity. But we want to focus on this aspect of stewardship for two reasons. For those that are not yet in stewardship or don't value stewardship or don't understand the place of which to start doing that. And for those of us that are serving to do it better and to do it deeper, to have a broader understanding of it. In fact, that's what I really want to deal with tonight. Because the way Jesus thought about stewardship and we can know the way he thought from what he taught in the world, in the world, it's, it's different from the way many of us think. And let me just say this now. Stewardship for us Christians, it goes beyond serving God in church. You apply the principle of stewardship in your marriage. The husband should be trying to serve the wife. And the wife should be trying to serve the husband. The husband should be trying to serve, the father should be trying to serve the children. And the children should be trying to serve the parents. As they grow older. You apply the principles of stewardship in your office. You should, as an employee, you should be trying to serve your employer. The way the Bible teaches it. If you are an employer, you should be trying to serve your employees. The way the Bible teaches it. So it's not just church. We're going to get into that um, as we go on further. It's not just in church. Of course, you should apply it in church. But it's not just, it's for life. 
You, you need to, and this is what, what we were talking about last week, those qualities or mindset or mentality of a servant, you need to develop them so that wherever you find yourself, at church, oh, at home, oh, at work, oh, in school, oh, in society, oh, you think like a steward, you talk like a steward, you act like a steward. That, 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 I think this is one of the areas why sometimes Christians don't prosper as we can prosper. Because it's this stewardship, when we live like this, that the prosperity we already have will begin to manifest and flow. He that will be forced, let him be a slave. The greatest among you should be your servant. It's a different way of thinking. Hallelujah. I can imagine the first people that had, you see, we've read it many times now. The first people that had that sermon, what? What kind of thinking is this? That's how heaven runs. And it's putting that key in your hand and in my hand. So that we can have some heaven on earth. Somebody shout, I'm interested. I can't hear you. Shout it loud, I'm interested. So I, I want to talk to us how Jesus saw prosperity. Let's, let, let's start that tonight and we'll continue from there. And, and, and the first thing I want you to see is that Jesus... His own thinking, and this is God's thinking, is that the, the first thing God wants you to steward or to apply the principles of stewardship to is your very life. Let's leave church aside now. Your life, your life. Your life. You see, this is what the Bible teaches. That Colossians 1.16, let, let, let's, let's look at that text. Colossians 1.16. Glory be to God. Say with me, Lord, speak to my heart tonight. Help me to renew my thinking. You know, that, that text in Romans 12, very, very powerful. He said, don't be conformed to this world, but be renewed. Hallelujah. Let, let your mind be renewed that you may prove the acceptable, the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Amazing. So what does it mean that you may prove that you may manifest it? So, as I renew my thinking, update my thinking to the word of God. We said on Sunday, you can't just live like a spirit, even though you are essentially a spirit. But to define yourself as strictly or only a spirit, you will fail in life. Because that's not the complete definition of who you are. Even though that is essentially who you are. You are a spirit that has a soul. So when you got born again, God recreated your spirit and God gave you the responsibility to renew your soul. And he said, you prosper as your soul prospers, as you renew your soul. So how you think matters. How you think matters. Your life perspective, your view to life matters. And this is a major groundbreaking way to see life that the Bible is teaching us here. Look at what the Bible said, Colossians 1.16. If you are there, shout aloud, amen. For by him, talking about God, all things were created of Christ. Christ. All things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible. Hallelujah. Whether thrones or dominions, praise the Lord, or principalities or powers. Watch this last part of the, of the text. All things, somebody say all things. Help me look at your neighbor and say that includes you. All things were created through him and for him. Hallelujah. Now, I want to bring this into what we are talking about tonight. The, the first thing Jesus expects you to steward is your very life. Because your life and this applies to whether you are born again or not born again. You will see from the parables he taught. But more so for those of us that are born again. We owe our lives to God. You are not the owner of your life. <laughs> Hallelujah. You did not create that life. Your father, your mother did not create. They don't own your life. Who owns your life? God. God owns your life. And what God has done is he has handed over that life to you as a steward to manage for him while you are here on this earth. And you are not supposed to live that life for yourself. You are supposed to live that life for the owner, the master. 
And at the end of your life, God is going to call you and is going to ask you to give account of how you lose the life he gave you. The way Jesus taught this thing, he likened it to new birth. And I'll talk about that in a minute. Revelation 4.11, a similar text to this. Glory be to God. Many people don't think like this, even Christian people. You can't just live anyhow. No, sir. That's not how a steward operates. You don't go to a restaurant and you see the servants doing anything they want to do. No, they will sack them. That same principle. See, it's not just church. It's stewardship principle. You see, why does that servant or that employee behave in a certain way when they're on the job? Because they know while they're on the clock, tap your neighbor and say, your life is a ticking clock. Hallelujah. While they're on the, on the job, on the clock, they know they're accountable to a master. And the way they behave, nine to five, will determine whether the master will reward them at the end of the day. That's how you have to live life. That's how you have to think about life. You have to steward life. You have to steward life. For who? For the owner. For the master. And you are going to give account how you steward life. You see, if you can learn to think that way, you will prosper more on this earth. I'm telling you the truth. That's what Jesus taught. You will prosper more. Revelations 4.11. If you are there, shout it loud, Amen. You are worthy, O oh Lord. Does somebody agree with that? To receive glory, honor, and power. Mark the word honor particularly. Glory, honor, and power. For, this is why it's worthy. You created all things, including you and I. And for your will, they exist, or we exist, and were created. For God's will, for God's purpose, for God's counsel. For God's agenda, for God's plan, this is why you have the life you have. Priority of life. Hallelujah. You created my life. So what, if you study Jesus' teachings on stewardship, I'm going to share a few of them with you. He, he, he made that abundantly clear to us. You are to steward your life. Because it's not your property. Praise God. And let me tell you, it starts with getting born again. What God expects of every human being now, and this has a lot to do with why we need to preach the gospel to cover the ends of the earth, because there will, nobody will be a faithful steward before God if they don't give that life back to God and allow God to recreate it. God is not going to force anybody to get born again. So the beginning of stewardship when it comes to life, is that you even surrender it to God. And that's why you will see some of Jesus' parables teaching about stewardship, equating the end result of good stewardship to eternal life. He's not trying to say that your works will buy you salvation. No. Ephesians chapter 2 deals with that. We are saved by grace. Verse 5. Verse 8. We are saved by grace through faith. So grace alone will not save anybody. Grace, we only say people that believe in it. Can I hear somebody shout, I believe? And he now went on to say, not of works, lest any man should boast. So it's not because I stewarded my life very well that I now get rewarded with eternal life. So obviously that's not what Jesus could have been teaching. But you see some principles, he was talking about servants, how they use their life, and if they do it well, they will enter eternal life. If they don't do it well, they will be cast to outer darkness, or they will be in a nation of thieves. That's heaven and hell. And what he's saying is that, you see, your life is not yours. Your life is God's property. Glory be to God. Before you got born again, because it was God that created every life, and more so after you got born again. So Ephesians 2 said, not of works, but it is the gift of God. Then he now said in verse 10, for we are God's workmanship in Christ, created unto good works. So both old birth, permit my phrase, <laughs> And new birth was for God's purpose. Created unto good work that we should walk in. We God created that we should walk in. Life is to be stewarded. Hallelujah. Everybody must think like a servant concerning their life. That's what Jesus taught. Hallelujah. 
So examine how you have been living your life. Examine how you have been living your life. Because you are supposed to live it as a steward. Matthew, sorry, John chapter 12. We've studied this text over and over again. Let's look at it again. The Greeks came to meet Jesus, talking about knowing Jesus. This is where we talked about the fact that, look, Jesus was a servant. We follow his example. John chapter 12, look at verses 25 and 26. You can take up the reading from 23, but we won't have the time to do that tonight. I have about four or five main scriptures I want to cover tonight. Look at what I said again, verse 23. And think about this in the light of what we've laid so far, what we've said about so far. He that loves his life will lose it. But he that hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Amazing. Very, very heavy words. Now, you will get a clearer picture of what it means by loving your life and hating your life. It clarifies in verse 26. If anyone serves me, let him follow me. Hallelujah. That's where we know those that love their lives to, to themselves, live unto themselves, and those that live unto God. What is the way? You serve God. You serve God. And this is where it begins. You follow Christ. In other words, you get born again. Hallelujah. And where I am, there my servant will be also. And if anyone serves me in this manner, glory be to God, him my father will honor. So is is clear understanding of how human beings are to live the life that God gave them is that they're supposed to serve. Primarily God, but not necessarily limited to God. Supposed to serve with that with that life. Hallelujah. Still what the life. And as you do that. God will share his glory or, in our own case, manifest his glory, his honor, his power in your life. A life that is not being stewarded is a short-circuited life. We started talking about that short-circuit at the beginning of the service. You are not applying life the way God intended it to be applied. So even if power to get wealth, power to prosper is being prophesied on you, Hands are being laid on you. Legs are being laid on you. Oil is being laid on you. And everything that is... The power will not flow. Why? Because the very essence of the life is being abused. And that's what he's teaching here. He that loves his life, that does not serve me, particularly with his life, he will lose that life. In other words, what should come out of that life will never be seen. Because it was designed for God's will and for God's purpose. Are you still here? Matthew 24. Let, let's look at a couple of parables Jesus taught. Hallelujah. Tap your neighbor to your left and to your right. Tell him or her, steward your life. Steward your life. Steward your life. And what do we mean by that? You, we don't, I, I, I'm going to define a steward just in case someone can't comprehend it together. Like I said last um, on Sunday, one of the problems I think we are having, particularly where prosperity is concerned, is how we define our relationships. I use the analogy of a man and his wife. If I God took it, took it further for me after Sunday, that look, even he said, if Pastor Ida only tries to live, you know, I give the analogy of Pastor Ida and I. He said, if, if Pastor Ida only tries to live like your wife and does not live like the mother of your children, even that marriage will not work because she's not just your wife. In our relationship, the primary definition is that she's my wife, but she's also the mother of my children. Imagine if she was there, ah, I'm only your wife. Oh. Whether the children eat, mm, their business. Whether they go to school, mm, I don't care. You know, our, no matter how much the love she gives me, is after a while, could they work? Is she my wife? But she's not only my wife. That is not the only definition of our relationship. A big reason why many of us, God told me that. He said, you are not completely defining the relationship I have with you. And because you have failed to completely define that relationship, you are not living your life in the context of that relationship. So every time Pastor Inda wakes up, she has to divide, and it works for me as well, I'm not just the wife of this man. I'm his friend as well. And because he's a pastor, I'm his sheep as well. I mean, one lady came to me with me. Are you saying that every husband is a pastor? No, some boys are not pastors. I'm just saying because that's my job. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I'm, I'm, I'm the mother of his children. 
In fact, this last year that we just had a baby, she has devoted more time. And this is why I'm saying that, you see, you can't, you, you, the, the, the definition you put forward sometimes is, it depends on the situation. Talking about God being beautiful for situation. She has devoted more time, and which I have to allow, to mothering than to wifing. Because we just had a baby. And I'm going to say she should not feed the baby because I want to enjoy my wife. That would be irresponsible. So there are seasons where what comes out is your soul. Even though your soul is not you, you are a spirit. Glory be to God. See, Christians have failed woefully in generation past because they didn't take time to develop their soul. Until 2017, 2018, Christians are still failing, not prospering as we ought, because we just want to do as if we are spirits. No, we are not just spirits. The same thing with your flesh. You have to take care of your body. The older you get, I will keep preaching that forever because it's the truth. I didn't used to exercise before. I mean, putting on weight was a prayer point for me before. Prayer point. Now, if I... <laughs> they are saying things like, I must be careful how I eat them when I eat them. Because I just put... And I can't continue like that. They told me that time, my friend, you are getting overweight. Sounded like good news on one side. <laughs> but the doctor also warned me, if this season doesn't change, we are going to start putting you on medication. And that's what happens to people. They won't take care of their body. They are born again, you know, spirits. They have even renewed their mind. And one day, somebody just said they have high blood pressure, and they just dropped down and dead. And it wasn't anything. They just, what happened is this. They broke. They forgot that they live in the flesh. Now, that same concept we must bring into our work with God. We are not just sons and daughters. We are also worshippers. And not only worshippers, we are also servants of God. So he said here, Matthew 25, 45, quickly, 24, 45. Look at what he said. Who then is a faithful and wise servant? Please note those two words. I'm going to come to that as gone faithful and wise. Paul said to the Corinthians, it is required for every steward to be found faithful. Two qualities that will make you a good steward. We'll come to it later on when we are talking about other things. Two qualities, faithfulness and wisdom. He told one parable the other time. He said there was a 419 steward. And his master called him and said, you have been stealing my money. In other words, you are not faithful. Come and give account. Jesus told the parable. And the Bible said that the guy was shrewd. And just, the Bible said the master commended him for being shrewd, not for being unfaithful. So faithfulness is not enough. I'm getting ahead of myself. I want, to, I want to talk about the life part here because that's one major thing Jesus dealt with here. But he mentioned faithful and wise. He said, whom the master has made him ruler over his household to give him food in due season. So this is what God does. God, he said God is like a master. He will give you abilities responsibility. So, concerning life, God has given you your life. God is not going to live your life for you. As big as he is as God, as powerful as he is as God, God will not even choose for you to get born again or not. If you want to go to hell, God will allow you to go to hell. After you get born again, God will not force you to live like you ought to live. If you want to still live in, continue to live like an unbeliever, after you are saved, God will allow you. See, you are like a steward that God has given you authority to rule over his household. That's your life. It's God's life. It's God's property. Hallelujah. Verse 46. And you see how where prosperity comes in. And stewardship. Blessed, empowered to prosper is that servant whom his master, when he comes, will find so doing. So the expectation is that the steward should know what the master wants him to do with that life that the master gave him and be doing it. And that person is empowered to prosper. He said when the master comes, even before the master comes, when the master comes can refer to when your life is over or when Jesus returns. But you are blessed. Doing what the master expects. Verse 47, Assuredly I say to you that it will make him ruler over all his goods. He will promote him. Glory be to God. Somebody lift your hands tonight and say, I received my promotion. I can't hear you say 2018 will not end without my experiencing the divine promotion that God prophesied over my life. Can you see the key there? 
the kingdom key. As you do, you see at the end of the day, we're talking about life here. We're talking about life. He will, will promote him, make him rule of all his goods. But if that servant is a rascal servant, somebody lifts your hands and say, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I don't live like a rascal. Ask someone declare it, say, I live like an obedient child of God. But please note the servant has the choice to either use life the way the owner of the life gave him or watch what this one did. If that servant is evil and says in his heart, he hasn't even started doing it yet, but says now, my master is delaying. Ah, after our Paul said that Jesus will come in his generation, he didn't come. 2,000 years have come. Maybe in my own lifetime to Jesus will not come. So why should I serve? Why should I do my life? And begins to beat his fellow servants. Is that why we gave him life? Come on, talk to me. Huh? Begins to eat and drink with drunkards. Is that why we gave him life? Talk to me. Hallelujah. The master of that servant will come on the day he is not looking for him and at an hour when he is not aware. And watch what will happen, verse 51. Very heavy. Please watch what Jesus said there. And will cut him in two. You see, he's talking about how you use the life that God gave you. Whether you are born again or not born again. Of course, if you are born again, you are not going to go to hell. But the fact that he's even comparing stewardship with eternal rewards, as in, watch, let me finish reading the verse. He will cut him in two and appoint him his portion with hypocrites. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Hallelujah. Let me read another, um, another um, parable. Next chapter, 25. Glory be to God. In fact, in Matthew 25, Jesus talked different parables. He continued, really. There are three parables Jesus talked about here. He talked about the foolish and the, and the wise virgins. But look at the parable of the talents. Again, you will see that he's not only talking about how you use the resources that God gives you, which is the next thing we're going to discuss, but it starts with your life. So look at the parable of talents from verse 14. I won't read all this one. It's quite long. For the kingdom of heaven. Hallelujah. Somebody say, keys of the kingdom. He's like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And at the end of this parable, of course, you know the one that had five, the one that had, um, um, is this, yeah, this is the one that, yeah, there was the five, the two the one, watch what he said at the end of the day. Hallelujah. The guy that he gave five did something with it. The guy that he gave ten did something with it. The guy that he gave one did nothing with it. Now, watch what he said here. And again, you will see that he's talking about how, not only is he talking about how you use the resources God gives you, that is part of the parable, but the main thing or the first thing I want you to see that he's talking about your life. Because the first thing you have to steward is the life God gave you, the life itself. Verse 29, when he now completed, okay, let's look at verse 28. Take the talent from the one, from him, that's the, the unprofitable servant, give it to him that has ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given. Hallelujah. What does it mean by everyone who has? Everybody that uses well what God gives him. Glory be to God. Are you with me? And watch how it connects to prosperity and he will have abundance. Hallelujah. He will have abundance. Anybody interested in abundance? Ah, only five people. Anybody interested in prosperity? But for him who does not have, what does it mean by him who does not have? Him that does not use what the master gave him, the way the master expected him to use it. What will happen to him? Again, you will see that he's talking about life here. We're not just talking about the increase and everything, life. Him who does not have even what he has will be taken from him, verse 30, very instructive, casts the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. What is that heaven? That's hell. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Praise the Lord. Now, this is not saying salvation. Some people preach that. And they can quote scriptures like this. But that's not rightly dividing the word of truth. You don't go to heaven by God assessing how you spent your life on the earth. Then if you spend it well, you go to heaven. If you don't spend it well, you don't go to heaven. There are people or churches that preach doctrines like after you are born, born again, whether you will still make heaven. 
and they can quote texts like this. And on the surface, it may look like that. But that can't be what Jesus is teaching us. Glory be to God. That can't be what he's teaching us because we have scriptures like Ephesians 2 that tell us we are saved by grace. If this servant, even though he was a rascal, if he accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior, will he still go to heaven? Talk to me. Let me know who we need to send back to New Converse class so you can understand assurance of salvation. But if you read the text, it's as if you go to heaven based on what you do. That's not what he's saying. But what is he really saying? You see, you, you, you have to steward life. And if you put this in rightly dividing scriptures and comprehending New Testament revelation, it simply means you see what type of life begins with new birth. Begins with new birth. How you use the life the Father gives you matters. This guy didn't do anything with the life or the talent God gave him. I'm, I'm, I'm talking about life here. Praise the Lord. That's where it starts with. He that loves his life will lose it. Glory be to God. So, look at what the apostles now taught. You see, they had Jesus teach these things. And look at some of the things. Let, let, let me close with that tonight. Hallelujah. Lift your hands and say with me, Father, I thank you for the life you have given me. Come on, pray this. Say in the name of Jesus and by the grace of Almighty God, I recommit myself to live this life the way you will have me live it. For the person that is not born again, the first place God wants, the first thing God expects you to do with your life is to get born again. That is stewarding the life God has given you. You bring it to Jesus. And God is not going to force you to do that. You see, that is part of proving your stewardship because it's your life. It's your life. And then, it doesn't end with new birth. Ephesians 2.10 we are in Christ Jesus, created unto good works, which God beforehand ordained that we should walk in. You now start, and this is where the talents part comes in. You start using the things God has given you for the purpose of God. You take your five to ten. And they call that one good stewardship. Life. Glory be to God. Romans 6 and 10. Hear what the Bible says here. Watch this very carefully. Romans 6 and 10. For the death that he died, talking about Jesus, he died to sin once for all, but the life that he now lives, he lives unto himself. Huh? He lives so that he can pay his bills. He lives so that his children can go to the best schools on the face of the earth. Now, I want to use those examples. Not that there's anything wrong with paying your bills. <laughs> you better pay your bills. And there's nothing wrong with sending your children to school. He lives so that his spouse and himself can be very happy. Now, what am I trying to show you here? How God expects us to use the life he has given us. So, he said the life which he now lives till tomorrow. Jesus is living unto God. That was what he did on the earth as our example that is what you and I are supposed to do following this example of stewardship. Next verse. Look at the next verse. Likewise, Pastor T, you also reckon yourself to be dead indeed to sin and alive to God in Jesus Christ our Lord. I don't want to deal, this is not a teaching about how to overcome sin. So let's leave that there to the sin part. The main thing I want to emphasize is living unto God. Living unto God. That's how to steward life. Living unto God. Living unto God. You live your life for the purpose of God. Why? God created it that way. You live your life for the will of God. Why? God created it that way. And you should be getting better and better in it. That after Jesus died on the cross, please, I've shared this with us in recent weeks, I mean recent months, that look, Jesus wasn't just an intercessor on the earth. The Bible says he forever lived to make intercession. Jesus is not just a, wasn't just a shepherd on the earth. In heaven, he's still shepherding us. That after Jesus died and rose again, the Bible tells us he's still doing the things he did on the earth. That should speak volumes to us. The life he now lives, he lives unto God. You also should live life that way. That's how to steward life. 
And I'm telling you, this has a lot to do with our prosperity on the earth. A lot to do with working out the prosperity that is in us already. The salvation we have. Living unto God. One more text. Glory be to God. What are we doing, Pastor T? We are, we are looking into how Jesus sees the worship. And we are really looking at how he sees it in light of prosperity. There is a problem. You are praying, praying God. Power to prosper. Power to prosper. And you are not living your life for God. Let me tell you what is happening. You are short-circuiting the power. Let me bring it to where you and I live. Praise the Lord. As we keep praying and trust, and this is why I'm teaching this to believers, Kingsford believers. As you keep confessing prosperity, meditating on prosperity, believing on prosperity, keep growing in how you live your life to God. If you are not living unto God, my admonition is that please repent and start living unto God for those of us that are not there. But for those of us that are like Pastor T, you are director of operation, it doesn't mean you have stopped in growing. Hallelujah. On how to live your life unto God. And as we've seen over and over again, it is attached to us manifesting the prosperity we have from God. 2 Corinthians 5, 14 and 15. We're going to close with this one. 2 Corinthians 5, 14. For the love of Christ compels us. What does it compel us to do? Because we judge thus through the revelations that come from that love, through the instructions that come from that love, if one died, that one is Jesus, for all, Jesus died for all of us, then all of us have died. I mean, this is identification. This is new birth. This is assurance of salvation. When did I die to sin? When Jesus died for me on the cross. How did he become operational in my life? When I believed the sacrifice on the cross. I was not there 2,000 years ago, quite all right. But if I believe that in 2018, what was done 2,000 years ago finds expression in my life. If one died, then all of us died. Verse 15, and he died for all, watch one purpose of his death. He died for Pastor T and every other person that believes, so that those that live, hallelujah, someone say with me, I'm alive in Christ should no longer live for themselves. But for him who died for them and rose again. This is how you steward life. So it's not about myself primarily. It's now about who? God, Christ. And a good steward is the person that lives his life that way. A bad steward or ignorant steward is the person that doesn't. Tap your neighbor and say, don't live for bills. Tap your neighbor and say, don't live for problems. Look, examine, you see, again, I examine how you just check. This is September. How have I been living January till now? What drives the way I live? Is it driven by a stewardship mentality? And if it is, can I improve on the stewardship mentality I'm using to drive life? This is how to live the life. And when we live life this way, we prosper. Because we are already prosperous. The power will not be short-circuited. Hallelujah. When we live life this way. Praise the Lord. This is the first thing Jesus taught us about stewardship. He that loves his life will lose it. But he that serves me and follows me, he will gain the life. And my father will honor him. God will honor you in the name of Jesus. And by that, what we are saying is that as you continue to think and live this way, you will just be seeing manifestations of God promoting, elevating, increasing, prospering, and honoring you on all fronts. Rise on your feet. Let's close. The preceding message was brought to you by Kingsword Everywhere Nigeria. We are located at Kingsword Auditorium, Etel Avenue, behind NNPC Filling Station, First Bank Bus Stop, off Kudarat Abiola Way, Argun, Lagos. 
Email kmiafrica at kingsword.org. Telephone 234-810-0000640.